0: I started um, listening to the podcast, did that you know, for probably a couple of years before I connected with your investment counselor. She did a great job of kind of holding my hand through the process. I'm probably one of the, the more needy uh, clients she worked with, but ended up buying my first property in 2011 in Atlanta and then waited a, couple, a few more years until my next one, but uh, 2014 purchased in Memphis. And so that's kind of where I am at this point.
2: of tenants and been involved in thousands of real estate transactions. This program will help you follow in Jason's footsteps on the road to your financial independence day. You really can do it. And now, here's your host, Jason Hartman, with the complete solution for real estate investors.
1: Welcome to episode 1282, 1,282. Thanks for joining us today. We've got a lot to talk about If you haven't heard the news, it looks like the uh, Socialist Republic of California is really, really getting close to statewide rent control. Of course, as always, this will be an absolute disaster, (laughs) but we'll see. We'll do kind of a point counterpoint here on it. I've got Adam here with me, who has been listening to NPR over the weekend. (laughs) So you know we're going to have some opposite viewpoints. Adam, what have you been hearing about uh, communist rent control?
0: (laughs) So one of the things that stuck out to me whenever I was listening is they were discussing some of the things that landlords were going to have to do to get rid of tenants, and it absolutely blew my mind and made me wonder who on earth was going to be willing to be a landlord in that state. Because one of the things that the bill talks about is potentially doing is landlords who want to evict their tenants might have to pay for their tenants' first month in their next lodging.
1: In their new place. Yep. So if, in other words, it's kind of the way California really is always against the employer. You know, They make it very difficult to lay anybody off, to adjust to the economy and your business. And so now, if you want someone to move, You got to go find them a new place and pay for it right (laughs) it's It's like cash for keys on
0: steroids
1: yeah yeah just to give you the context what adam's referring to which a common expression that came out of the great recession cash for keys when lenders would foreclose on properties they couldn't get the tenants to move out or the former owners i should say or maybe it was an investor that uh, let a property go to foreclosure and they had a tenant in there whatever the case tenant former owner properties foreclosed on, they would literally give them cash if they would agree to move. And usually that was, you know, somewhere in the ballpark of maybe $3,000 or so saying, hey, look, if you'll just get out of here, I'll pay you to move so I don't have to go through the eviction process. So in a rent controlled environment in California, here's what really happens in real life. Well, many dynamics crop up. The gray market, the black market, uh, there's even a Seinfeld episode about this where you know people are waiting for people to die in rent control departments, where uh, landlords are doing all sorts of nasty things to make it so unpleasant for the tenants that they will just hopefully move. They want to get them out so badly. There's lots of stories like this in San Francisco, Santa Monica. I remember a guy I knew, moved to Southern California and had a rent control department in San Francisco that his friends were leasing from him. Of course, the landlord didn't know this, and it, you know it's completely illegal, right? But they're trying to keep that incredibly low rate. There's just all sorts of bad dynamics that occur. Uh, the same way things did with getting things done in the former Soviet Union or trading food and clothing and shoes on the black market in the Soviet Union. It's just crazy what happens here. And and this is probably going to happen this time. I mean, Gavin Newsom is in favor of it. And all he has to do now is sign off. And, you know, California has now statewide rent control.
0: Yeah, the whole thing about his tweet on uh, September 12th, where he said, you know, counting it saying he's about to enact the strongest renter protections in the nation, because there should be a cap on how much you pay for rent, because your landlord shouldn't be able to evict you for no reason. It's about time. The thing is, the landlord's not trying to evict people for no reason. There's usually a reason if they're trying to evict you. Most people don't just come along in February and say, well, you know, your lease is up in five months, but it sure would be better if you just got out of here now, and so I'm going to go through all these court proceedings and pay all this money to file on you. No, these people who are getting kicked out of their place There's cause. And as to the fact of there should be a cap on how much you pay for rent, that depends on who you are and what your priorities are.
1: It is absolutely dysfunctional. It will ruin the market and it will harm the people they say they're trying to help. It will cause a massive housing shortage. You think the housing shortage is bad in California now or in many places around the country, and we're going to talk about that in the second part of today's episode, you institute rent control and... Every apartment developer will decide, oh, look, let's just finish whatever we have in the pipeline in California, but we're not going to build anymore. Every apartment owner will try and convert their units to condos. They will look for a way out of this disaster. It causes the market to be totally stagnant. It will reduce the business for real estate brokers, for apartment finders, for property managers. Everybody will be hurt by this. Everybody will be hurt by it. It's a disaster everywhere it's tried, and every time it's tried. You know, I remember reading back then real estate developer Donald Trump's book when I was 24 years old, and he was talking about how uh, all of these celebrities had these. Which, by the way, his book Art of the Deal, even if you hate Trump, is really quite good. All these celebrities and wealthy people in New York City have these rent-controlled apartments right around Central Park in the best areas, and they won't give them up. The rent control is not helping the people. It was supposed to help. What ends up happening is, is this totally dysfunctional market where there's under the table payoffs and all sorts of things and just a massive constriction of supply. When I interviewed our uh, one of our video producers on the show a few years ago, Patrick is his name. You can go to jasonhartman.com, use the search bar and listen to that interview. He lives in San Francisco in a place that's probably worth like $1.7 or something like that now. He and his wife... Uh, and his wife's an attorney, pay uh, like uh, $2,400 a month or something like that. And they really want to move. And they can't move because they can never come close to duplicating the deal they have now. So you might think on one hand, oh, well, that's good. They've got a good deal. And they've got, you know, if you're on the side of rent control, they've got a good deal, and they've got protection. So the rent since they rented that place, I think in the late 90s, he said, their rent has hardly gone up at all. But because the market has become so dysfunctional, and nothing is priced to the market, because of all this constriction of supply due to rent control, they're stuck, they want to move, but they can't move. So guess what happens? The market for new furniture, new appliances, home improvement, rehabbing of properties, real estate brokers, lenders, it all becomes totally constricted and it it becomes uh, really like this zombie market where economic activity is just massively suppressed. It just weighs on the whole economy and suppresses everything. I mean, why do you think there's such a shortage of housing in all these rent controlled areas? It's because nobody wants to come in and supply housing When you have the government looking over your shoulder saying you can't do this you can't do that you can't price your properties based on the market it's just unbelievable
0: it's the ultimate treating the symptom and not the cause in this respect i mean if you want to really do rent control build houses yeah right if you really want to know how to solve your problem because i mean you can rent control all you want there's still more people looking for housing than there are houses available that's your problem you have too many people for not enough places so either the prices are going to go up or you need to build more simply closing the price down isn't a good solution. I mean, it just doesn't work. It's one of the few things that actually unites economists and all those other people who have disagreements on everything else. But they'll agree, you know, rent control is not the way to go.
1: Adam, I want to congratulate you. I think you're becoming a capitalist. This is great. (laughs) I've
0: always been a capitalist.
1: (laughs) Oh, gosh, oh, gosh. Well, we'll argue about that one later. But basically, this bill will cap annual rent increases at 5%, which sounds okay, Uh, including the rate of inflation. Now, it depends what the rate of inflation is. Just call it 7% total, probably. What's that?
0: Just call it probably 7% total. Yeah. So
1: now California, one of the nation's priciest housing markets, is following Oregon's footsteps in enacting rent control in March. Oregon approved a law placing an annual limit on rent increases of 7% plus inflation. So... There will be a ton of complexity in this. It's never this simple. I'm sure this bill is probably hundreds of pages long and (laughs) landlords will have to hire lawyers to make sure they're in compliance. Uh, Just, oh God, this will just be a disaster ultimately. It's uh, it's something else. Now the next thing, by the way, and we have talked about this over the years, they are starting to attack Prop 13. Uh, Howard Jarvis, who uh, basically was the guy that made Prop 13 happen in the late 70s in California, which is one of the reasons that market was able to do as much as it's done over the years. Without Prop 13, California will really, really suffer, and that's of course limiting taxes, uh, the state component of taxes, to 1% on property taxes, but they are whittling away at Prop 13, and that's the next thing to go this is going to be quite something. Adam, let's take a quick break and talk about our contest, and then we're going to come back and talk about affordability overall and where renters are moving, why they're moving to these certain metro areas, to these certain cities, and let's dive into that topic.
0: All right. So we've got, as most of you have probably heard by now, we're all about the Empowered Investor, and this uh, podcast and the company, everything we do is about empowering investors. And so we have the empowered investor contest going on, which, you know, fitting name. So the contest, really simple. You make a YouTube video. You talk about how you're going to become an empowered investor, what you're going to do, what steps you're going to take over the next one, two, five, ten, whatever you need to do to figure out how you're going to become the empowered investor. Is that, is
1: that number of years? You didn't say one, two, five, ten? <laughs>
0: <Did> <laughs> yes, sorry. Yeah. Number yeah, of years. What are you going to do me. in the next two days? It's going to make you empowered yeah. for the rest of your life. What are your plans? Like, how are you going to make yourself a better investor, a more empowered investor and march yourself towards your ultimate goal, whether that's financial independence, whether it's just a little bit of independence, you know, however, whatever your goal is, How are you going to strengthen yourself to be able to reach that goal?
1: Let's give some examples of that before we talk about making the video. So it could be as simple as your five-year plan, like the contest we had a year and a half ago for Meet the Masters. And we had some great entries for that. We're gonna play one of them for you here in just a moment to give you an example. And uh, that is Adam Frenza. Adam, thanks for submitting your video. So we're just gonna play an example of that. So it could be just a matter of outlining your plan writing down your goals and sharing them on a video. It could be talking about how you're going to view your investments, evaluate your investments, how you're going to manage your property managers, or how you're going to self-manage your properties. There is really sort of a, we're leaving it kind of just an open playing field. Whatever you are doing to empower yourself to be an empowered investor, you have a lot of free reign in this contest, okay? And we got some great prizes too. So go ahead, Adam.
0: So once you make your video, like we said, we want it to be the big thing, so no more than ten minutes, because and it could be three
1: minutes. It could, it could be, be three, minutes, three minutes, but no more than ten because and, uh, and, and by the way, I, I time spans too short. Yeah, lis- listeners will be surprised. Ten minutes goes really fast, so <laughs> <laughs> you know you might think make a ten minute video. That's too hard. Well, usually the hard part is once you get started, it's making it concise and <laughs> not going off on tangents like I do. Okay.
0: So you post your video to YouTube, then you go to jasonhartman.com slash contest, and you need to tell us who you are, what, uh, what, where your video is. Yeah, put the link. Put the link to, video the, link to the, the video because we're gonna post it on our YouTube channel too, and okay. then you just get everybody you know to go and watch your video, because if you want to win some tickets to Profits in Paradise or your membership to the Empowered Investor Community, you're going to need all the views you can get.
1: Yeah. Well, actually, you're not going to need too many views to win that, but if you want the super bonus prize, which means a $3,000 allowance toward our cruise, that'll pay for one ticket and most of the second ticket to the cruise, if you want to bring a guest, that's our October New England Fall Foliage Canada cruise. That is in, well, just about a month from now. Uh, So we want to get your videos in, and the deadline for entries is 11.59 p.m. Eastern, September 23rd. So uh, that's coming up. One week? Yeah, one week from when we're recording, yes. And so get your videos in. Any video that gets over 1,000 views on our channel and over 200 views on your channel, we figure we've got some traffic for you, will uh, qualify for the cruise bonus as well. But first prize, two free tickets to Profits in Paradise and a one-year membership in the Empowered Investor community. Second prize is two tickets to Profits in Paradise. Third prize is one ticket. So, uh, yeah, some great stuff. And like we said before, Adam, you shouldn't even do this for the prizes. The real thing, just look at those as the frosting on the cake. The real reason to do this is for yourself, for your own benefit in outlining your plan, cementing how you're going to be the empowered investor. And that's really the big reason to do it.
0: Okay. Don't do it for the money, but the money is nice.
1: (laughs) It's a nice bonus. Okay. Let's share an example. Uh, Adam Frenza, thank you for submitting this video. This was about a year and a half ago. Let's share this example. And then we're going to come back. We're going to talk about the Trump administration response to rent control and the priced out issue on um, where renters are going uh, and home buyers are going because the rent is too damn high (laughs) and the prices are too damn high. And uh, this is a good opportunity for investors to know this. So here is one of the entries from our last five-year plan contest and we will be right back after this.
2: Hey everyone, so I wanted to put together my five-year plan I figured I should put it somewhere where I'll see it on a regular basis. So, welcome to my bathroom, and I'll take you into my closet where I've written my five-year plan on this giant mirror. Um, that way, every day I go into the closet to get ready for the day, and that's where I'll see it. Uh, started off uh, at the very top with with year five. I figured it would be best if I had that as my main goal and so I'll go through those uh, year four, three, two, and 1. Uh, I put this together last night on the mirror and then realized it's incredibly hard to read so I went ahead and also put them up on the wall right next to me. I'm gonna keep them up on the mirror uh, that way it's always staring me in the face but uh, I wanted to come over here and I've got Starting again at uh, year five, um, I in 2022, I will be turning 39 and would really like to make it onto the 40 under 40 uh, list here in Utah. Uh, that's just a recognition list for those who have uh, accomplished some good things. Uh, Want to be in a relationship with someone who inspires me, uh, that we're working on currently Um, Add 15 doors to investment portfolio, own 50 doors, um, and I averaged out if cash flow was around 333 uh, per unit uh, per month, that should be around $200,000 per year cash flow. I want to uh, be working on a buyout strategy for a tech company that I uh, invested in a few years ago. Uh, they're doing quite well, and uh, hopefully we will uh, be looking at a buyout, um, a really healthy buyout in about five years. I want to be a Venture Alliance member. Uh, that, uh, you know, would be a great start. If this year we could go to Palm Springs and then uh, just continue that on for the next five years, uh, and then. Uh, after learning and growing in the last five in the next five years, I'd love to be taking a role where I help others in the creating wealth and obviously have fun doing it. Uh, year four, uh, I want to be able to take my parents on an amazing vacation. Uh, my parents have done so much for me in my life, and <clears throat> and they lost so much uh, in the recession. And so as far as a retirement goes, they don't have much going for them. And so I, I would love to be able to help them out and, and take care of them. Uh, I work in real estate and I'd love to do hundred million dollars in sales in 2021. Own 35 doors. Uh, that would be adding 10 doors from the previous year. So what I did is I just worked backwards. Uh, so as we get to year one, Uh, We'll see that Um, and then augment my life insurance policies for tax-free growth Uh, I am getting started with Paradigm Life this year. Well starting in 2020 uh, 2018 Uh, so year one um, I'm working with Gary Pinkerton over at Paradigm Life and I'm really excited about what uh, what we can do to move my 401ks and, uh, and other life insurance policies over to something that will actually give me the benefit of uh, being able to also do real estate investing. Um, And then want to expand the charitable outreach programs that uh, the tech startup company has been working on. Uh, Year three, uh, I want to add 10 doors to my investment portfolio with the Jason Hartman Group. Uh, I own 25 doors at that time uh, with an average of uh, $100,000. Uh, per year of cash flow actively be dating and building good relationships Um, and then uh, you know sometimes we get so involved in in the financing and and work and jobs and so I have to remind myself to also be actively dating and building good relationships uh travel and explore a new country um would I've I've traveled around the world but I would love to continue that on, and, uh, and my job as of late has kind of uh, made it so that I haven't had the free time to do so, and I'd love to get back into that. Um, uh, at this point, I'd love to be able to network with the Venture Alliance members and uh, create amazing opportunities with them uh, and do $75 million in sales volume at Windermere, um, the brokerage that I'm working at. Year two, add ten doors to my investment portfolio. Own fifteen doors, so it, obviously it's counting down as we're going down the years. But do thirty-five million in sales volume. Uh, visit my siblings and spend time with family. Uh, so, uh, as my siblings have all gone off to to different colleges and and to pursue their careers, uh, we've it gets harder and harder to see them. And so, uh, I love my family and I'm. Uh, Excited to go visit them and need the time to do so attend all Venture Alliance events So I would love to you know as as I become an venture a Venture Alliance member to attend those events and uh, And grow from what I learn from others there Uh, learn a new skill Uh, I I love that one because I do really uh, I find um, Trying to do things that make me nervous or scared uh, they build build me up and uh, doing those things that scare you are uh, are exciting so um, I want to mentor some of the youth uh, that's a charitable give back and mentor youth at the encircle program in Provo Utah um, this one is uh, near and dear to my heart it's a, it's a group in Provo Utah that helps uh, uh, young adults as they're navigating their way through uh, through college and their teenage years and anyway um, Year one, I take time, date, and build relationships, mediate for, uh, meditate for 45 minutes, three days a week, Uh, go to bed before 11 p.m., wake before 6 a.m., read four books. These are all mostly just building good habits, and some of them I've been working on for quite a while, Um, and so just kind of maintaining some of these habits. Attend Venture Alliance, meet the masters in Palm Springs. Uh, Definitely have that on my list of, of goals to do in year one. Um, own five doors um, and make about $20,000 that year in cash flow. Um, I'm currently opening up my life insurance policy through Paradigm Life, like I mentioned, Um, and uh, uh, the initial investment will be uh, around $100,000 that I'm putting down and then uh, doing something around $40,000 annually uh, of putting into the life insurance policy. So I'm excited things and uh, exciting things and I'm Uh, Looking forward to to reaching these goals in five years.
1: Okay, so hope you enjoyed that just as an example. uh, And remember, you've got a lot more latitude than we did last time on the five-year plan. You can make your Empowered Investor video about a plan, or you can just make it about anything that's going to help you become empowered. Adam, the Trump administration does not like rent control, do they?
0: I would say that if I had to put it on his list of things that he likes, it would not be too high on the list because <laughs> <laughs> the Treasury released its uh, housing finance reform we saw here on Housing Wire. And they're looking at curbing Fannie and Freddie multifamily lending in areas that adopt rent control. And when you're talking areas and you start talking an entire state, that's going to make it even more interesting. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, one of the big sources of capital to uh, finance apartment projects, whether they be brand new projects that are being built or resales that are being uh, you know, purchased by investors is the Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, the government-sponsored entities uh, that are a big part of the mortgage market, the, the biggest part of the mortgage market. It's not just in single-family homes. The Trump administration says that they will curb any lending for projects in rent-controlled states or cities. They will curb this opportunity to obtain this type of financing in these areas. Wow, that is going to even further disincentivize and restrict the motivation of investors to either build or buy in these areas. You know, you could look at this as like tit for tat, but look, the federal government shouldn't even be in this business anyway, okay? And it is going away in general. The movement is, and We talked about this many times in prior episodes. The movement is away from this government-sponsored entity type of financing, okay? The movement is definitely away from it, rent control or not. But the position is that if it's in a rent-controlled area, to curb it even further and faster because they want to disincentivize these crazy, politicians in places like California, my former home, from instituting these absolutely silly laws. Rent control is a disaster. Every time it's tried, everywhere it's tried, it's never been a success anywhere, ever. And there's just no argument <laughs> against that. By the way, Adam, I, I should open this up. One, one second. If you think I'm wrong, or if you think I'm right, <laughs> go to JasonArtman.com slash ask for anything we talk on the sh- talk about on the show leave your comments. Tell us we're crazy. Tell us we're brilliant. Tell us whatever you want. We're always happy to hear your feedback. JasonHartman.com slash ask. Adam?
0: So this is going to be one of those things that's kind of like uh, runaway inflation, because as soon as they start restricting these loans and housing gets built even less than it's going to be, you're going to see the, the quote unquote need, the feel for the need for rent control to kick in even more. And people are going to become even more afraid of, you know, not having a rent-controlled place because they'll just say, oh, my rent will skyrocket. So this is something that it's going to create a hole that's hard to come out of for these states. Because, I mean, can you see a day where California says, you know what, we have a need of, I don't know, three million homes in this state, so we're just going to throw off all of our building regulations and go for it, constructors. (laughs) It's never going to happen. So the the road out from this is going to be... Is, Absolutely is brutal.
1: Yeah, it's almost impossible to get out of. And Adam, what you're referring to is it's just this vicious circle, mm-hmm. you know, because one thing leads to another, leads to another. The real thing that caused this problem is unbridled immigration control, you know, allowing massive amounts of capital from China, the Middle East, but really anywhere, come and buy up all the California properties make prices increase radically, having Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac and having the government sponsor financing the way they, the way Sally Mae sponsors student loans. Of course, there's just massive inflation in anything that the government subsidizes and it subsidizes housing and it subsidizes college. So inflation goes rampant. What a surprise. And then the fact that you just have building that's too restricted and then they create all these laws to try and solve the problem. They're just a band-aid. They're hacking at the the weeds rather than the roots, the branch rather than the root. You gotta hack at the root. And the root is there's a shortage because of those root problems as well as some others. And so it won't you don't undo this very easily. You really don't. And then uh let's shift to kind of how just generally speaking, A lot of people are viewing affordability as a national crisis now. Rent is rising. Rents in um, larger metro areas. The renters want out, don't they? They're just moving to these tertiary markets because they cannot afford the expensive places. Right, Adam?
0: Yeah, well, basically it should be saying people are waking up to the fact that there's a a housing crisis in the country. Because, I mean, we've been talking about it here forever. You know, Good quality rental housing is hard to find these days. And so um, there was a study done, or a survey done for hot pads, and it showed that 45 or 44 out of 50 of the largest US metro areas, renters are having to start looking outside the areas that they mostly want to live in because they can't afford to pay the rent that yeah. is wanted in the area they live in, so.
1: One of the sayings we have in real estate it, when it comes to home buyers is the saying, drive until you qualify. Okay, so in other words, Keep driving further and further out, away from your job, until you can qualify for a loan, (laughs) okay? Drive drive until you qualify, right? And then, as you're doing that commute, you see these signs up on apartment complexes that say, if you lived here, you'd be home by now, (laughs) Mm -hmm. okay? And so that's what happens. And generally speaking, you find that renters or tenants aren't willing to drive as far as homeowners. You know, if you can own a home, the way you kind of look at it is you'll drive further out to own. But renters, they don't drive as much. They're just not willing to drive. That's the one benefit renters usually have is that they're a little closer to work, right? Mm -hmm. But they have to take a step down in their standard of living and lifestyle and, you know, arguably, if you think owning is better than renting, then they're not building for their future, which is the American myth or the American dream. We've... (laughs) Depends on appreciation. Yeah, well, and a lot of other things. I mean, we've talked about that ad nauseum, but we'll leave that for another day or, or a past day. Just go to jasonartman.com and search one of our many episodes on that topic. But, you know, the median rent in the United States is now $1,560 a month. That's crazy. Okay. Wow. And that's got to be in the large metro areas. I, I think that. That survey number has to be a little flawed. I but would I can't assume so. The whole country. Yeah. But
0: I actually did a little quick back on the napkin math on that. And if the median rent is one thousand five hundred and sixty dollars, if everybody spent forty percent of their income on housing, which would be pretty high. Over a whole year, you would need to make forty seven thousand dollars to mm-hmm. qualify for that to be forty percent of your income. So I mean that's the median rent is getting to the point where that's a really Pretty good income yeah, able to have right. to be able to reach, and that's at forty percent. I mean, if it was at thirty or thirty-three percent, you're looking at even more. So, I mean, it's getting to the point where everybody's getting priced out. It's not just the people on the low end; everybody is. Yeah,
1: and think of that from uh, the perspective of what I've said before. If you want to have a whole slew of people basically working for you, investor listener, if you want to have a bunch of people working for you. One thing you could do is go start a business and hire them and uh, do all that babysitting you've got to do, right? And take all that risk. But the other thing you can do is simply just own a bunch of rental properties. And 40% of every month, 40% of every year, those tenants will be working for you because that's the amount of rental income they're going to give you. They're going to take 40% of their income so if they earn $100,000 a year just for round numbers, they're going to pay you 40 grand a year. And if they don't pay quite that much, they're, they're going to pay you at least $33,000 a year, 33% of their income. So what a deal. Every single month they're working the first 10 days, 12, 13 days of that month for you investors that is a phenomenal opportunity. You know what, you're gonna return the favor by providing them good rental housing. So uh, that is a a great way to go. And you don't even have to
0: give them a W-2 or a 1099.
1: Yeah, right. You don't have all of that complexity. You don't have to manage their payroll and uh, all kinds of stuff. But if, if you do own those properties in California, when you want them to move out, you probably got to go rent a new house for them and pay their first month's rent.
0: <laughs> Maybe build one. So so
1: don't do that, yeah. <laughs> okay, Adam, we got to wrap it up. Be sure to go to jasonhartman.com slash contest. Get the details on our, our contest. Put the link to your video there. Uh, we can't wait to see it. We also look forward to seeing you at our upcoming two events, our cruise event and uh, our Profits in Paradise. Those are right on the front page at jasonhartman.com. Thanks for listening and until tomorrow, happy investing.